Welcome to You Are Loved, a podcast with open conversations about healing after suicide and suicide prevention. Join me as we discuss how you can heal after losing a loved one to suicide. Discover how others found hope again in their moments of darkness and how you can truly scatter hope to those who need it most of all. When you do, you can save their life. I'm your host, Crystal Partney. I am a best-selling author, speaker, and suicide grief coach. Together, we can heal. Remember, you are loved. Hello, everyone. Welcome. My guest today for the You Are Love podcast is Nazreen. Nazreen, I'm just going to kind of turn the microphone back over to you, if you don't mind, and allow you to introduce yourself, and we will just kind of take the conversation from there. So if you don't mind. No, I don't mind at all, although it might sound a very good introduction. So okay. Hi, everyone. My name is Nestorine Ahmed. I am a professional certified coach. I focus on grief, loss, and major changes. And I try really hard to support my clients who are going through any of those things to find a way to integrate their loss, to kind of ride the roller coaster of grief and change and figure out who they want to be on that roller coaster. You know, how do they want to respond to the challenges they're facing? And then come out on the other side, hopefully stronger and more resilient and more able to live a kind of life that they really enjoy, but they feel satisfied by or will. And um, yeah, I have a beautiful daughter, amazing husband, very cute dog, <laughs> live in New York City and love to travel, do yoga, sometimes meditate, sometimes pretend to meditate and just think about everything. And that's me. Oh, that's amazing. I love that you said pretend to meditate because there's so often I find myself doing that same thing, right? Where you're just like, okay, I think this is how I'm, you know, supposed to do it or maybe, but oftentimes it's like, just get quiet and see what comes. <laughs> we don't need to be so structured. For sure. Or sometimes my brain just doesn't turn off and it's like, I'm supposed to meditate. I'm supposed to listen to this thing and this, you know, guided meditation, but still my brain is like, okay, but the to-do list after the meditation is blah, 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 blah. And it's like, oh yeah, that didn't quite work, but hey, for effort. It's, it's still there. Like, <laughs> no, I know what you mean. <laughs> well, that is just fabulous. And you mentioned that you, I loved what you said, you support your clients in finding that, that peace and finding the new sense of meaning after the loss and being able to just process their grief because you and I both know it's full of ups and downs and being able to have someone in your corner that can guide you through all that will make all the difference. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, grief is one of those times where we're like, oh, we kind of just shut off and shut down and to so many people tend to isolate, myself included, you know, and it's like, I don't want to talk to anybody. I'm going to say something really insensitive or they're going to give me some sort of platitude. And it's just like, I just don't have the energy for that, you know? And so I think the more that we can gather our tribe and have a community, even if it's, you know, not part of a support group or, you know, not part of our friend group necessarily, but just people we know that we can actually be real with when we're grieving. I think it's so critical to our, to our healing. Right. And especially, you know, I'm thinking back to my own journey of losing my sister and, you know, handling that and going through the motions and, and especially I would say like at the funeral because it was private, it was family only. Even then I found myself and I'm sure at times maybe you felt the same way where you just kind of were like, okay, let's just 
put on this front and then but really what happened was when I finally was able to come home and didn't have the distractions because there were so many distractions there were so many things like you know you had to plan for the funeral and then you had to do all of those things then when it finally it was over and you got to be like by your intermediate family when I got to be home with my husband and my daughter it that's when it really hit me the most was the the weight of of everything that just had happened. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, first, I, I just want to say, I always enjoy talking to you, partially because of just who you are, and then partially because you're one of the few people that also works in grief that's also lost a sister that I know. You know, most people I talk to have lost a, a spouse or a parent, uh, sometimes a child, but like, I just feel more connected to you because, you know, I also lost my sister. And so I think there's something about us forgotten grievers, you know what I mean? Uh, where we do like have to, in a way, put on a front because everybody's asking about our parents or everybody's asking about maybe, I don't know if your sister had, had a spouse or not, but maybe they were asking about the spouse or the kids or something else, you know what I mean? Like, and they kind of forget that you're also grieving, you know, and, and they forget that you've lost somebody you've known your whole life and were potentially really tight with. And yeah, I definitely, I was single at the time when I, when my sister passed away and, and I had to do a lot of the things that you're talking about in terms of arrangements and making phone calls and credit cards and debts and, you know, handling all the pension and all that kind of stuff. And it was really intense and I didn't have the support at all, uh, especially in the first few months when I needed it the most. I definitely had some friends who were there, but I happened to be living in a city where I didn't really know that many people. I had just moved there. A while previous to her death and so I felt like most of my support network was like across the country and so yeah it was definitely one of those things where like once all the arrangements were done and I went back to my apartment and it was like an empty apartment it was just like oh yeah like there's a, a quietness and a heaviness that I don't know how to deal with you know like it was it was really intense for a long time and I I, I don't think that I handled it as well as I would have liked but I also I'm not judging myself in terms of what I did or didn't do during that time because, you know, it was it was a shock. Like, you know, I was still very much traumatized by finding out that she passed away so suddenly, you know. So I think uh, we all react differently, but the kind of common thread is that we're going to heal faster and easier if we do have people we could trust, if we do have somebody on our side, when we don't have to put up that front and that facade and we can just be real like this awful this can i can i curse on your yes. podcast and <laughs> this fucking dogs like yeah. how, do, how am i supposed to you know walk with this how am i supposed to carry this how am i supposed to live the rest of my life like this yeah i think when we can get really honest about that and have those conversations and just be in grief it's so much more helpful than trying to be like yeah no i'm good i'm good everything's fine we'll figure this out you know it's like no it's not really i don't think it's really needed you know i don't think it's really helpful well, thank you so much. And yes, I, I felt an, an immediate connection to you as well. And I'm so glad that we have become, you know, acquaintances, friends, even <laughs> I would say we're friends. And so I'm just so grateful that we've known each other for so long and we've stayed in touch. I think that's one of the important things that even though it's been several years since we last spoke, it at least you can correct me if I'm wrong, but for me, it feels like we haven't even skipped a beat. And those are the types of, you know, friendships and relationships that you really crave, especially 
when you have just experienced the loss. And those are the kinds of relationships that you know are like true and genuine. And those are the ones that you want to you wanna keep open. And like you said so beautifully, you didn't, you didn't judge yourself because, trust me, there were many times when I look back that I'm like, oh, I shouldn't handle that so well. And, you know, that was terrible. Let's try not to repeat that. But we're human. And my goodness, like, just giving yourself that grace, whatever form that looks like is so important. And I love what you said too, that when you were talking about how so much of the attention and the focus is on, you know, we both lost our sisters. And so being able to, to say like so much of the, the focus is on, of course, my mom or my other siblings, or, you know, my sister did have children. So, so much of the questions are, are, are the kids okay? How are they coping? How are they handling everything? And it's easy to tend to fall in the background and forget like, oh yes, I'm grieving too. And I was speaking with another friend and they were saying so beautifully, they said, Crystal, your grief is valid. And that stood out to me so like, wow, you're absolutely right. Because we do, at least I'm speaking from myself, that I did tend to feel and even times right now I still feel like oh gosh like where does my grief fit into all of this how do I still voice what I'm feeling and how I'm handling or not handling and in the situation itself and know that again my grief is valid and it matters yeah, I think it's, it's so easy. Like, I definitely spent a lot of time thinking about my parents and like, are they going to be okay? How are they going to handle this? Are they going to survive this? You know, like there was a lot of fear and concern about their grief. And so it definitely resonates what you're saying. It's like, oh, wait, I have to also give myself time and space to grieve and like give myself permission to grieve, you know, and, and to take up or to take that time for myself and not just tend to them, you know, and and even though or even after she died and I started coaching and I started focusing on grief coaching, you know, my mom at times was like, what do you do with clients? Can you help me? You know, can we talk? And I was like, no, no, I adore you and I love you so much. And I want you to talk to somebody else, you know, because I, I can't support you. You know, it's not, that's not fair to me and it's not fair to you. And, um, you're much more, you know, you're better off talking to somebody else who's not, uh, your daughter, uh, just because I work in grief doesn't mean that I should be the one to support you. And it was a hard conversation to have with her, but I was very proud that I did that because it did feel like I was kind of taking back a little bit of my my like sanity, but also like my ability to to set boundaries in terms of what I can I can't do for them, you know. And yeah, it, it, I think it's really important that we, even though we want to support our family, you know, those those, those different uh, cliches about being strong for others, you know, I think at the end of the day, we really have to to put ourselves first, especially during grief. You know, it's so easy to try to avoid it or to try to hide or, or compartmentalize or, you know, try to put on that front even for ourselves. We'd be like, I'm fine. I don't need anything. I'm good, you know. And the more that we can give ourselves the grace and compassion and the more we can give ourselves a permission and put ourselves first, you know, I think the, the better off we are ultimately. Exactly. And, you know, kudos to you for recognizing, hey, you know what, I would... I would love to coach you, mom, but that's not 
going to benefit you or me. That's only going to, you know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but probably like add more to the grief and the already heaviness, I would naturally assume. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I just, there was no healthy way to do that, you know, yeah. <laughs> no real healthy way, no productive way, you know, and, and um, yeah, I think, I didn't think it overall, it was a, it would have been a bad thing ultimately. You know, because we want to, like, like I said, we want to support our people. You know, we want to uh, love and support them as much as we can. But there's a limit. You know, there's a limit to how much I can give and how much I should give. You know, to any one person. Right. Exactly. And like you said, you're also dealing it with yourself. And so it's like, okay, in the hierarchy, if you will, of it would go, you know, you and then you're probably your family and then friends and and that sort of thing well thank you so much for sharing that would you say i'm just gonna like ask the question would you say in terms of that like hierarchy obviously putting yourself on the very first and that's one of those things that i feel like we say that we do it we say but do you have any like tips for how someone you know can start to put themselves first when they're grieving and especially when we are just in the thick of it it's so easy to put ourselves on the bottom of that of that you know pyramid yeah yeah that's a really good question you know I I think it's little things that we can do for ourselves sometimes like a big step or a big change feels like it's too much you know what I mean so like little things like for example Last, so I, I normally put my daughter to sleep at the end of the night. Like I'm, I'm normally the one that she wants. And last night I just felt really drained and really tired. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to get in bed early. This is my husband. You know, it's on him. Good luck, babe. Bye. And tag. Exactly. Exactly. And I was almost asleep. I was this close to fall asleep. And all of a sudden she came in the room, which is crying. She's like, mommy, mommy. And she wanted me to put her. And I was like, oh. You know, and she literally like got on the bed and was like on me and I was kind of still asleep and I was like, baby, no, 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 go find daddy, go find daddy. And finally I like literally just refused and I was like, no. And I like gave her to my husband and I went back to bed. And so I think it's a little thing like that where it's like finding ways when you're really done, you know, when you're really down or even before you get to that point when you're just completely done or giving to yourself, you know, putting yourself first. So it could be ending your day early, right? And, you know, something simple like taking a bath or taking yourself out to dinner or um, having your husband take care of the kids, you know. It could be something like going on a retreat, you know, or a hike, you know, being out in nature, going for a walk by yourself if you want, calling up a friend and being like, hey, let's go together. I think it's a little things that we do. If you want a, a certain meal, cook that meal for yourself, even if your kids or your husband don't, doesn't like it, you know, what I mean, like find some some way to put yourself first so that you have more space in your life. You know, you take up more space. I know a lot of people really struggle with like crying in front of their kids, depending on how old their kids are and kind of where, what they can handle. And I'm a big advocate of teaching your kids how to grieve well, you know, and how how to handle grief and integrate grief without trying to like hide it from them because they're going to deal with it at some point in their lives too you know grief comes in so many different forms and from so many different things and they're they probably already experienced grief in one way or another even if it's a tiny little gene grief that you know they're not even registered to you and so it might be like being willing to cry in front of your three-year-old 
you know, and explain to them why you're crying and, and, you know, why it's okay to be sad and why it's okay to cry, you know, all that kind of stuff and having your emotions in front of your child instead of trying to hide it, you know, that could be something, a way to put yourself first, you know? So I think it's just finding those little things and being willing to do them, being, being standing up and advocating for yourself. If you need something and your spouse can handle it or your friend can do it for you. Or you can pay somebody to do it, you know, delegate, <laughs> delegate, 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 right? Order dinner, you know what I mean? Again, take that bath, have that glass of wine, do whatever you need to do just to kind of try to fill your cup, even if it's a little bit, you know, even if, if your cup isn't full, but it's maybe a quarter of the way full, like, okay, that's a great start, you know, and, and the more that we can do that, the more we practice it and keep it top of mind, I think the more it becomes second nature and the people around us start to realize that like, oh, this isn't just like a one-time thing. This is like a trend, right? This is something that, that is just the norm now. And I think that's also good because especially for our kids, especially for our little girls, like watching their mother not be at the bottom of her list, you know, watching their mother take care, good care of herself, I think is critical. You know, I think as much as I wish that my daughter didn't do everything that I do and listen to what I said only, you know, the fact that I really do have to model things for her and I have to act in a certain way to get her to see how important it is. I think that um, is a big motivator for me to put myself first and to be willing to be at the top of that priority list because that's how she'll learn how to do it for herself and, and what better, you know, gift can I give her? Oh, absolutely. I agree. 100%. In fact, like I'll share with you, Steve, just over the weekend, like you said so beautifully, before you get to the point where you're like, snap, like, you know, you're like, ah, <laughs> which I admit that that was not me on Saturday. Um, I was, you know, with my little boy and then my daughter wanted, you know, breakfast. And then next thing I know, I'm like, okay, Crystal, what just happened? <laughs> So I like called my husband. I was like, or you know, I went in the bedroom. I said, "Here, you have to take the kids. I've got to go. Like, I just need to go blow some steam." And he was like, "Oh, okay. Like, this is happening right now. Okay." <laughs> and and so I went and I got coffee for us. And my daughter, she was upset that she, I said she can make a smoothie, but she wanted to make her special smoothie that had ice cream in it conveniently enough for breakfast right so I you know went to the grocery store and I surprised her I got some ice cream so that she could make her special smoothie but when I came back she was so sweet she goes mommy are you okay like I'm really sorry she she made this note that says I love you and I'm sorry and it was like you said in that moment where it was like okay like how <laughs> rewind how can I set the things that I need before I get to that point where it's just, it's too much. And I loved what you said that you stood your ground and you stood firm because it would have been so easy for you to just go put your daughter to bed because that's what you always do. But recognizing, hey, no, I need this time. I need to like go to bed. I'm super tired. I'm exhausted. And you can, you know, let dad put you to bed just this once or heck, it could be even a week, you know, like <laughs> it's nice. 
But I I agree with you so much that it's like more, and they say more is caught than taught. And especially when you're grieving, to be able to model what that looks like in your children, and especially if you have little girls like we both do, I'm just noticing like, oh, this is by modeling that for her, she can then say like, oh, she can see like, oh, okay, this is how mom is putting herself first. This is how I get to go spend time in my room and play with my toys because mom needs a break. Mom needs to be able to do X, Y, Z and do it peacefully and if it's possible. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. And I, I, I think that's so important, like what you're saying in terms of like having some structures put in place so that when you went you don't get to that point where you're like i'm done i'm yeah. I'm out right like it's like, okay <laughs> like, by the way here are the kids bye right like if we can figure out ways especially when we're grieving if, and i think that's the hard thing it's like how do we do that in normal life and then how do we do that when we're super heightened state like, in a super heightened state like grief you know what i mean like because in some ways it's even harder to do it when you're grieving, yes you know what i mean because you feel like that much more exhausted. You feel that much more obliged or obligated to do things for other people, you know, and like, and, and it is, we're kind of in that routine already putting ourselves last. So it's like this big sudden shift to be like, oh, I can't do that, right? It's not healthy for me to do that right now. And so I think it is like, how can we start now, even if you're not grieving, right? Especially if you're not grieving, how can we start to say, nope. I need I need my husband to take the kids. I need to go get some coffee. I need to be able to go to sleep and and have my husband put the the or my wife, you know, whoever it is, put yeah. the child to bed. Like I need time, you know. I need space. So I think it is really important as much as we can to put those structures in place now, so that when you know shit hits the fan, we don't have to worry about making this sudden shift and this big leap. And it's uncomfortable, right? It's uncomfortable to put yourself first, even when you're grieving. You know, as much as I think I advocate for people to like give themselves time and space to grieve and and really to to be willing to kind of ride that roller coaster. So many of us, it's like, well, I don't want to do that. You know what I mean? Like, I think actually did a video recently where I was talking about how anxiety often shoots up, you know, becomes really heightened during times of grief because I don't know about you, but I love my control. I love to control every little thing in life. And I'm like, nope, you should do that. And this should happen now. And this is how life should be. Yeah, you're not sticking to the plan. This isn't the plan. It's like, <laughs> didn't you read my memo? Like, right. <laughs> on the Say the map. Like, this is how it's supposed to go. Yes. And there should be a big bow at the end of every day. Right. Um, and so, and then, you know, what, what, what bigger event in life? can have that you know that happens than than death to make us realize we're not in control right to make us realize we've never had control and so anxiety you know starts to shoot up and mo I, I know a lot of people i've worked with myself included our anxiety just starts to shoot through the roof because it's like oh I, I don't have control anymore and so at least again for me i really tried to control a lot of different things in my life and a lot of different outcomes while i was grieving because it made me feel a little less anxious right even though I knew that it was futile and I, I knew that it wasn't going to change anything and I knew I wasn't in control, but I still needed some sense of control, some sense of my feet on the ground. And I think um, a lot of people go through that, but they don't know how to actually have those structures in place, have the support in place 
so that even though they can't control anything, you know, they still feel like they have the seat on the ground. So yeah, so I think I think the more that we can practice these things when we're not grieving, the better off we are when we are actually in a situation of grief. Right. And I love that visual, like, you know, your feet are on the ground, your feet are planted. And the also I've heard too this the saying of like, you know, you've you've heard it, the be where your feet are planted. And not just like physically, but you know, mentally being there as well. It helps for sure. But there's moments when it's too hard, when it feels like, oh my gosh, like I don't want to be here mentally. <laughs> I want to be in, you know, Disneyland or someplace way more fun than where I'm at right now. But I would encourage anyone that's listening and they find themselves in that spot where they're like, I don't, I don't want to deal with this right now. What's something, you know, flip it. What's something that you could do right now? How can you find yourself to be present even though you want nothing more to be in like Disneyland or on a desert island, right? Like somewhere, anywhere, but here to just come back to the present and let's just take it one second at a time. One breath at a time. For sure. And give yourself moments where you're not present. I mean, like, I think, you know, we, we have to have that balance. You know, because sometimes it is too hard. You know, I mean, I, I certainly felt that way more often than not. You know what I mean? Especially in the first few months of of, of grief, I was just like, I, I can't even breathe. Like how like I literally would forget to breathe. You know what I mean? And I have to, oh, I'm like not breathing right now. Just hold my breath and not even realize it, you know? And, and I think we have to walk with that compassion and we have to try to be as as kind to ourselves and non-judgmental because my brain was definitely you know going 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 about all the things I should have done and could have done would have done and you know how could I do this and God, I'm an awful sister because of this you know and just like so many things and um, so as much as we can you know to absolutely like you know try to deal with it try to be present try to try to take that breath and 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 allow ourselves to be in it but then also take breaks allow yourself to not be in it you know give yourself whatever you can you know if it's if it's a movie if it's a, a night out whatever it is you know um give yourself that break to not have to be present and fully immersed in it i think any either one is too much you know great it's you know, that balance but it's like if you can find that middle ground i think um that's really kind of what gets you through there was something else i was going to say but i love what you said like even even just like taking yourself out of that and switching your environment that was one of the things that i realized early on that it was like okay well let's go to the movies you know yeah but it's like how can i am you know i have to do xyz but it's like no crystal go to the movies go see a comedy in fact like yeah. you need to be able to laugh you need to be able to release those happy good endorphins mm -hmm. <laughs> because when you're craving it's so hard and you do feel a little bit of guilt when you start to laugh again and smile at the little, little tiny things and so again that's why it becomes that much more important that we do that thing that we do put ourselves first that we are finding that balance between processing and being with it and yet having some little escapes throughout the day too yeah, I, I will say, choose your entertainment wisely. <laughs> yes. I, I had somebody... You don't have to see a comedy. I just was like... Well, no. Oh, I, no, I think it's brilliant because I had somebody give me the book, The Fault in Our Stars. 
Oh, yeah. That's like in the middle of my grief. And and I had somebody else be like, don't read that, right? Because I didn't know what it was. And oh, that's like, it's a beautiful book and a beautiful movie, but don't watch it. We're talking time, right? And then I had somebody else pull me to watch Game of Thrones. Like it was still really popular and just starting back then. He's like, you got to watch Game of Thrones. And I was like, I watched like part of the first episode and I was like, no, like, no, I don't have to. No, I'm not going to watch this. Like, what? You know what I mean? Like, so definitely choose your entertainment wisely if you are going to take those breaks. But I think, I, I think what you're saying is really true. And I, I mean, I also like the thing that I get asked a lot is like, I'm supposed to feel a certain way, right? Because I just feel so numb. Like, why aren't I crying more? I thought that I would cry. I should be crying. More. You know, like we have this sort of expectation of how we're going to react. And then when we maybe don't react that way, we think we're doing something wrong or something. I really love my person. Why aren't I crying? more? Right. It's we have these sort of uh, judgments of ourselves and how we're supposed to react. And I think most people don't don't really understand that like numbness is actually a protective measure that um, that is there to help us be able to cope. Right. When it is too hard, we start to go numb so that we can just get through the day. And you might find that that numbness lasts for a while. We might find little spurts of like feeling in the middle of that numbness, you know, and I, I really try to just normalize that for people because most people I've talked to have felt numbness at some point or another and thought that it was wrong. You know, thought that it was bad or signified something bad. And I'm like, nope, that's actually, it's, it's totally fine. I mean, you don't want to numb out completely, right? And avoid right. processing altogether. Because again, like that, that other extreme isn't, isn't uh, helpful either. But allowing yourself to just feel how you feel at, or not feel anything at all for a little while is okay. You know, it is, it is all part of the process and, and to be expected. And so I think just, again, kind of writing that and allowing whatever comes up in the moment or not comes up, you know, to be okay. I think that is a really nice gift to ourselves, to ourselves, you know, because again, we have those expectations and we think, we think we know what, what's, what we're going to feel, you know, especially if, if um, your person is, is ill for a while before they pass, you kind of have all these sort of imaginings of like, here's how I'm going to react or here's how I'm going to feel. And a lot of times it's not at all what we imagine. And so really kind of to put down those expectations and, and pressures and just let us, you know, let yourself go through the process, however you go through the process. Right, exactly. And we could talk for hours on end just on that conversation alone, right? As we are wrapping things up, what are some of the ways that you do? I mean, I know this whole episode, we've talked about self-care and putting ourselves on the top of the pyramid in in our self-care and in our priority list but what are some other ways that you feel loved i actually just talking about this the other day i feel so loved by my daughter these days like knowing that she wants me you know at the end of the night knowing she wants me when she's not feeling well or like when i when she's headed to daycare just feeling a little nervous i feel very loved in those moments also with my husband, uh, we just celebrated our anniversary recently. We actually had a, a day all by ourselves, which is oh, so rare, but so... Congratulations! Thank you. Oh my God, it was so worth it. It was such a good day. We did nothing, but it was like the perfect day. Yeah, and I think it's really just about the connections, you know, feeling connected to the people I love, to my friends, to, even if I can't see them all the time, you know, with the light or they've moved or whatever it is having those strong connections, like you were saying earlier, the relationships that you want to build and, and maintain, um, that's really the core for me. You know, it's feeling connected to other people, feeling that I'm heard and seen, valued, and being able to give that to other people as well. And then for myself, it's, again, those little things like 
taking a break when I need to. Sometimes it's just like getting a workout in, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's a way of taking care of myself, giving myself a, a bath or a spa day, getting my hair done, you know, little things like that can make a big difference for, for me as well, just to, to love myself. Well, it's fantastic. And how, speaking of connection, how can people connect with you? Oh, sure. Best way is through my website, harborlightcoaching.com. Um, on there is a, a form they can fill out if they want to set up a consultation. They can also just schedule something directly from the website. I, I'm not quite as active as I used to be on social media, but you can find me at Harbor Light Coaching on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and oh, feel free to reach out. Um, I've got lots of different freebies on my website, too, that people can sign up for, whether it's like the grief assessment or daily affirmations, if they're going through grief, stuff like that. That's fantastic. And I'll be sure to put that in the show notes so then people can just be redirected. So, well, thank you so much for joining our conversation. I've always, it, it's so much fun getting to talk with you and I've always enjoyed our conversations. And of course, this is no different. I'll put it in the books and <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so enjoyed talking to you and, and really appreciate the opportunity to be here. Thanks. Of course, until we meet again. Thanks for tuning in and listening to this episode of the You Are Loved podcast. For more information about suicide prevention, be sure to check out owlandthistle.com. That's owl as in the bird. Hoo-hoo! And if you're coping with the loss of a loved one due to suicide, we've been there too. And for more information, check out our sister company found at scatteringhope.com. Please like and subscribe to this program to stay current with all of our episodes and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Owl and Thistle for Scattering Hope. As always, remember, you are loved.